Not sure what to make for dinner? Need some inspiration? Join Gabriel and his food hero guests every Wednesday on The Dinner Special. And now, here's your host, Gabriel So. Welcome to The Dinner Special. I am Gabriel So, and I am so happy to have Louisa Brimble of lbrimble.com joining me here on the show today. Louisa is a food and lifestyle photographer based in Sydney, Australia, who strives to capture images that exude warmth, simplicity, honesty, and connection. Her work has been published in numerous print and online publications, including Kinfolk Magazine, Frankie Magazine, and Food and Wine Magazine, just to name a few. When she is not photographing, Louisa is collaborating with other creatives to hold food photography and styling workshops. Louisa, it's such a total pleasure having you here today. Thank you so much. This is such a privilege to be even be part of your um, podcast. This is actually my first probably podcast inter- interview. So thank you so much for inviting me. Absolutely. Louisa, I started first following you when M from My Darling Lemon Time mentioned you in our chat. And, you know, ever since I've been looking at your photography and I've been like awed by your photography. Can you share with us a little bit about your photography journey? Okay, so I basically started being a wedding and um, portrait photographer. And when Kinfolk Magazine came along in 2011, that's when I fell in love with the whole gathering and whole the food. And I started shooting food and mainly gatherings. And I think it basically started when, you know, I have kind of started doing the kinfolk gatherings in Australia and organizing workshops here and there. And then since then, it just fell in. And then my, I started shooting for Broadsheet in Sydney. Um, they're like the guide to where you want to eat around Sydney pretty much and Melbourne. And, you know, they didn't pay me a lot of money, but... I actually do say to people that I think it's like the baptism of fire. Like, you know, if you wanted to get your foot in the door in photography, you know, you do this stuff to get your name out there. And I would not have met my first cookbook photography without the experience of working with broadsheet. So I think this is the really amazing kind of story that I actually tell people every time I do workshops. This is the very first cookbook that I photographed, Community by Arthur Street Kitchen Cookbook. And I actually, I met Hedy McKinnon. This is the first cover. Um, there's only 1,000 copies of this being printed. And I think in the space of three weeks or a month or something like that, the book was sold out. And then it was picked up by a publisher um, wow. called Plum, Plum Books. And um, this is the second edition of the book. And I think it's about 60,000 copies now. Wow. That's being printed in Australia. And yes, yeah, so we photographed the cookbook, her second cookbook in New York, which is called Neighborhood. So yeah, it's, it's actually going to be released in September, which is really exciting. So anyway, because of community cookbook, because of, because of love, I actually, you know, I said to Hetty when I first met her, photographing for broadsheet and we just started talking we hit it off and we talked about and I think the one common thread that we talked about is because we love kinfolk like we we started like well I loved it and she loved the aesthetic of kinfolk too at the time and we were talking about it and and then all of a sudden she said I really want to have to publish my own cookbook I want to myself publish a cookbook and I said 
oh my God, I would love to shoot it. I will shoot it, I will shoot it, I will shoot it for love. There was no money involved when we photographed this. It was both our time, her time, and she paid for all the ingredients and her time cooking it. So anyway, I think when the book was released and um, it was sold out, you know, it was just the biggest opportunity. Right that I've ever kind of had like and then all of a sudden I started shooting for I shot a cookbook for Penguin Lantern um, it was uh, one of the master chef guys that came in and yeah so I've never been to in such a legit photo shoot where you know we had a stylist and we had the props and yeah it was a, an amazing experience and then yeah and then since then that's when I just said no I'm not shooting weddings anymore and I just want to concentrate on food so, yeah, so since then, I've just basically done cookbooks, um, shooting cookbooks and shooting food or shooting for small businesses, which I loved. Yeah, and just doing lots of personal projects. Yeah. Now, would you say that your photography was a little bit of talent and a lot of hard work or, you know, was it something that you really had to master this skill or did you feel like it was kind of a natural talent that you had? Oh, I think... Definitely part my mastering it because I always say to the students, you can't just all of a sudden say, you know, I want to take photos and, you know, take an amazing photograph straight away. And any photographers that you ask and when you ask them, what is your advice to, to photographers just starting out? Every single one of them always say, shoot, shoot and shoot. Always photograph, always take photos. How are you going to get better? if you don't take photos every day. I mean, I probably don't take photos every day, or maybe I do. <laughs> but like on the on a regular basis, I take photos. Otherwise, I forget about it. And also, I just feel like if I don't take photos for two weeks, I felt like I just forget things. Like I just, I felt like I'm going back into it again. So that's why I'm always keeping the momentum. So definitely... I think it's about mastery and, you know, maybe a little bit of talent, but like you don't have to be amazing at what you do. But if you have the determination and the passion and when you set your heart into something, you could definitely do it. Like I think the moment you say in your heart and said, okay, I'm going to do this. This is what I want to do. The universe gives it to you. In my opinion, I think people just fall into place and then everything just happens. Has this sort of determination and love translated into your determination and love for cooking? Or do you prefer to be behind the lens? Oh, okay. So I could never be a blogger, a food blogger. And the only reason for that is because I can't concentrate on doing two things. Like I would definitely prefer to be behind the lens. Yeah. And this is why I was so glad I met Sarah Glover because... I kind of would blog on her because she cooks all the food and I shoot it. I've always wanted to have a food blog, but now everything is just go on that way. So, but yeah, I mean, I would love to create things and that, but I do cook at home, but I can't create recipes. I get inspired, but it's only to share around the house. Like if I do have a, a recipe book in front of me and I don't like one of the ingredients, I would usually just swap it or kind of change a little bit of the method and just kind of take it as your own. But I don't think I'll, I'm not such a kind of, I invent things or make things up as I go, but yeah. Gotcha. Well, Louisa, when you're not photographing, you hold food and photography and styling workshops 
with other creatives. How did these events come to be? Well, I think the first workshop was kind of initiated by the fact that I just wanted to collaborate with other people. My first ever workshop would probably have been with Beth Kirby, Local Milk, which I organized here in Sydney at Glenmore House. And that's probably about three years ago now. And we did probably about three workshops. So she came because she came back to Sydney. And since then, Aran Guyoga from Canel et Vanel invited me to teach workshop in Seattle, which is like, what? Are you serious? It's like, Aran, it's like her of her caliber. Why would she even ask me to come? to Seattle and yeah so yeah and then since then we were like I collaborate a lot with Sophie Hansen local is lovely and because uh, they have a, a big property where she grew up with her mom he's got this big property in about two hours drive from Sydney and she actually teaches art classes as well but it actually accommodates probably about 15 people and we were able to kind of do it there, do the workshops there. And that's how I kind of started doing a club. The one thing that Sydney is really hard to kind of organize workshop for is finding the right venue. It's really hard because it's very expensive. And, you know, by the time you, you know, you organize workshop and work out all the logistics and the people and the food and the scenes and the props and everything, but by the time you know it, it's like it's about, you know, to really make money off workshop, you should be charging about three thousand dollars. Wow. But we were charging half of that, especially for local is lovely workshop. Because, you know, obviously we didn't have to pay so much with the accommodation, you know, and that that really helped a lot. And it's basically giving people the chance of be, you know, going to a workshop that is so affordable and it's three days being at home and I kind of like that workshop because I feel like if we do kind of two and a half days we're kind of giving people a lot more value um, for their money and and it's really nice to get to know everyone's like I say this a lot to people that I do meet meet the next collaborator who I'm collaborating so I meet the next person I'm collaborating with at a workshop and I've met so many already that's been you know, that's gone to like second, like go to second shooting with me or, you know, I mentor them and all that sort of stuff. So then I now I do a little bit of workshop now too with Annabelle Hickson, the dailies, where it's actually 10 hours drive. It's all the way down to the country, 10 hours drive from Sydney, but yet, you know, people still go there. Um, And I think one part of why we do workshops is, you know, this, this isn't money making. We're not making money of it. And we have a big team of people and only because we like to hang out with people that we really like working with. And I think it's all about relationship as well. Right. Yeah, so collaborating with a lot of people is what I love doing best. So yeah. this is how, why, why workshops happen. So I only have two left this year. Next month, we have Molly A coming. Oh, cool. With um, This is with local East Lovely with Sophie Hansen. And then after that, which is in October, is Sky McAlpine. So we're now in full swing to kind of plan what we're going to be doing next year, which in 2017. So 
I think the plan is, hopefully, fingers crossed, there'll be workshops in Europe, and that's the plan. So we're working on that. Awesome, awesome. Well, Luisa, for anyone who's you know interested in food photography and styling, but can't make it out to one of your workshops. Have you come across any good online resources or books for learning more about food photography and food styling? Um, yes. Hello, Creative Live. <laughs> Everybody should just go Creative Live. That's where it is. That's, I mean, also, you know, you could YouTube it. Like, I think you could learn anything in YouTube, but you got to know who to follow. <laughs> but I think my number one is definitely Creative Live. And I just buy, I think I love, I super, super love Penny De Los Santos creative live session. That is beautiful. And there's a few more food photography in there. I think there's such good, really good stepping stone to watch. And, you know, read lots of books on photography. I think understanding photography, if you really want to do the basic of photography, understanding Exposure by Brian Peterson is the book I always tell people to go to and use that book and I learned so much from that. Yeah, and there's some really good basic creative live sessions that is amazing as well. Perfect. Louisa, what would you say is something that sets Australian cuisine apart from food from maybe different parts of the world? That's a hard question. <laughs> okay. I didn't grow up here, right? I came to Australia when I was 18. So, and then when we, when I came here, I started year 11 and 12. So I kind of went back to high school. I think one of the things that we were learning was Australian culture that because Australia is kind of like so new and all that. So they don't really have a very well-defined culture. But for me, Australian culture in terms of food from being in, living in Australia is all about, you know, the family gatherings, the barbecues, the going to the beach and going to the, you know, going outdoors, I think, and cooking outdoors. You know, I think it's definitely defined by the food kind of like around where people live. Like, like you know, if you live near close to the beach and, you know, you have your fish and chips and, you know, all that sort of stuff. Or right. you know, if you live at the bush, then you could get your, I don't know, your kangaroos and... <laughs> Right. Everything's very regional. Yeah, regional. Yeah, sort of. Yeah. Yeah, but really, for me, if I have to define Australian cuisine, it's a lot more, I just kind of say it more like the barbecues and the gatherings and all that. So. Perfect. Well, Louisa, here at the dinner special, we talk with food heroes about dishes that are special to them and how we can make it at home. Can you talk about a dish that is special to you and maybe the story behind the dish? Okay, so for me, the really special dish that I really like is, is the Filipino dish called sinigang. It's, it's a tangy broth. But for me, every time I eat it, it's just, you know, I can feel the tanginess already in my, my cheeks. But, like, it's just really comforting. We, in Philippines, we love, we love our broth. Like, and when you have rice, like, you always have to have kind of, like, sauce or some broth to kind of eat with it. But, yes, yeah, so sometimes you could add seafood with it, like prawns and that. But for me, I just like the pork or the beef. And it's got your green vegetables and, you know, a little bit of banana. But it's more, it's like a, a sugar banana kind of thing. Okay. But it's definitely, the main part of it is definitely tangy, tangy soup. 
Yeah. Okay. So if you were to make this tangy soup for three famous people, who would you invite over? Famous people. Oh my gosh. I can't even. I think the first person I'd really like to invite would be Sofia Bergara. She's so freaking funny. What like she's just like her accent and the way she talks. It's like I just want to invite funny people. Okay. With us, so I think I don't know Jimmy Fallon, Sofia Vergara, and Kevin Hart. <laughs> <laughs> that is going to be one crazy dinner party. <laughs> Goodness. Well, I, w- I was going to ask you. The next question is, you know, if it was a dinner movie situation, what movie would you pair with your tangy broth? Oh my god! I don't know. I don't think we'll even have time to watch a movie. I just want to yeah. watch it with, I don't know, sound music. Yeah, <laughs> that's my like favorite movie of all time. But definitely no movies. No movies. Let's just chat. Let's just laugh all day. <laughs> Perfect, Louisa. I call the next part of the dinner special podcast, The Pressure Cooker. I'm going to ask you seven fast and fun questions that we want to know your answers to. Are you up for it? I'm up for it. Awesome. Number one, which food shows or cooking shows do you watch? Chef's Table. Boom. (laughs) But I do love the local ones, the Australian local ones. The ones that I really love is, I know this River Cottage and there's also Matthew Evans' show. Okay. Gourmet Farmer. That's it. Sorry. Gourmet Farmer. <laughs> it's my favorite show. Gourmet Farmer, River Cottage, Chef Stable. Chef Stable, the best. Number two. What are some food blogs or food websites we have to know about? Well, I love following Hugo and Elsa. And Local is Lovely, obviously. Sophie Hansen. I love her food blog. My Darling Lemon and Thyme, <laughs> obviously. Also Cook Republic. Imika Davis, she's also amazing. My favorite also is Art District Kitchen, Brooklyn now. I also do love Local Milk. Lean and Meadow is great. Uh, Matters of a Belly, obviously. <laughs> Noah. And there's so many out there, really. I think yeah. once you go from one place, it just spreads out. Perfect. Those are some of my definite favorite blogs. Great. Number three, who do you follow on Pinterest, Instagram, Facebook, or Snapchat that make you happy? Number one is Lisa Marie Corso. She's the editor or, you know, managing editor of the design files. I know it's more interior. It's not really food, but her personal Instagram makes me laugh all the time. I love it. She's really good with, you know, the way her with her words and all that. The dailies, really beautiful aesthetics and, you know, her country life and, you know, all the things that she shares. I also love Alana Demu. She's new. I do love her work. Amelia Fullerton, amazing work. Again, it's more, it's not food. I do I find my inspiration not necessarily with food. And I think I feel like... Instagram is so bombarded with so much food now. Like I just want to get away from so much of that and then follow people who are actually amazing at, you know, capturing the light and the shadows and all that. And Saskia Wilson, she does fashion. Saskia, I forgot about this. But anyway, her name's like, she's amazing. She does a lot of fashion. But again, I follow them because of you know, the way, the way they work with the lines and the elements of design. Ollie Sampson, Sansom, 
again, amazing portrait photography. And yeah, Tim Coulson because of his family and the way he just shares his life and love of life. Perfect. Number four, what is the most unusual or treasured item you have in your kitchen? I would probably say this one plate that I really treasure a lot. The plate that when my mother-in-law passed away probably about five years ago now. And when they sold everything, they sold the property. And I said, the only thing that I want from that house is a you know, the, the dining, everyday plates that we eat at whenever we come and visit an everyday plate. And I think there was only one plate that was left, like lucky it was rescued and that was it. And it was this, you know, it's just really simple floral. And I love eating from it. <laughs> it's just... Okay. Number five, name one ingredient you used to dislike that you now love. Brussels sprouts. I've never really been introduced to to that. Like, only quite recently, actually. But Hedy McKinnon made me love it. Yeah. I think when we were shooting for her cookbook and she just, she made me look at it differently. I mean, it's such a bitter vegetable, but she chagrins it on like an, in the oven, or puts it in the oven, roasts it and comes out and just really amazing. You know, it just brings out the sweetness in it. Sweet and bitter kind of thing. Yeah. Great. Now, number six. What are a few cookbooks that make your life better? Oh my gosh. Can't go past this. Nigel Slater. Yeah. That cookbook. I think this cookbook, well, when I buy cookbooks though, I only really look at it for photos. And sometimes I do read, you know, I read the recipes and just go through. I really like the way he just explains it. It's just, you know, straight to the point. No beating around the bush. Simplicity. I like it. Just simple. It doesn't have to be complicated. This is A Table in the Orchard by Michelle Crawford. I love it because it's it's all about her stories and, you know, and also her favorite recipes. It's a beautiful book. Again, you know, can't go past Arthur Street Kitchen. And Emiko, Emiko Davis' cookbook, Florentine. This is quite her new book. And she now lives in Italy. And yes, there's so amazing, really great recipes there. Some of our, you know, pastas and some of the really nice cakes and biscuits. And again, um, again, also photographed by one of my favorites um, photographer, which is Lauren Bamford. Finally, the last question, number seven, what song or album just makes you want to cook? You know what? I don't have a favorite album. Or a favorite theme, but I do listen to Spotify's and then and I put like a playlist on the 80s. Yep. Just listen to the 80s music. You know what? When I'm cooking, I actually don't listen to music a lot, but I listen to podcasts like the Disney special podcast. Boom. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you very much, Luisa, for the shout out and congratulations. You have officially survived the pressure cooker. Thank you, Gabriel. Louisa, thank you so much for joining me here on the Dinner Special Podcast. Now, you're on social media. What's the best way for us to keep posted with everything that you're up to? Definitely Instagram. I'm always just posting. If not, Snapchat, same name, Louisa Brimble. That's Louisa without an O. (laughs) 
And of course, the website, if we want to check out all, all your amazing photography and all your amazing work is lbrimble.com. Yeah, thank you. And then there's a link there, obviously, to the blog, which I don't really update as much. But yeah, I'm, I'm more updated in Instagram. Perfect. Well, thank you again, Louisa. I had a ton of fun chatting with you. I hope you had fun too. Thank you so much. Thanks for inviting me. Really such a, an honor and privilege to be part of your show. It's like I've always listened to the dinner specials. Thank you again. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Head on over to thedinnerspecial.com for recipes, highlights from every show, super blog articles, and all the wonderful ways to keep in touch on social media. Your culinary journey awaits, so let's get cooking. <laughs>